the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. is the Nick D Podcast. How are you? My name is Nick DeGilio. I am your host. This is episode 117 of the Nick D Podcast here at Radio Misfits, the greatest podcast network in the world, Radio Misfits Podcast Network, radiomisfits.com. Check out tons of really informative, entertaining, funny, terrific podcasts, and I'm happy to be a part of the family. And I also have another podcast right here at Radio Misfits that you should check out. If you're a Saturday Night Live fan, you're going to have to check out That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, a podcast that I host weekly. Every Wednesday, a new episode drops, and it's all about Saturday Night Live. Sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't, but it's always about SNL, and uh, you should check out that podcast, even if you're not a fan of SNL. You'll learn something, it's funny, it's informative, and it's really a lot of fun, and if you are a fan of SNL, it is your dream podcast. I've been a maniac about Saturday Night Live since the very first episode in 1975, and I'm sharing that maniacal information that I have in my brain with you with fun clips and great guests and insanely specific and fun topics all about SNL. So check that out right here at RadioMisfits.com. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. Be sure to check it out. This podcast, new episodes every Tuesday and every Friday. We are up to uh, episode 117. Uh, and I want to thank everybody at Radio Misfits and Ed and everybody. Make sure you take the time to rate and review us all on every platform. We're available on all the platforms. Hey, you want to be a part of the Nick D podcast? You want to be a sponsor? We reach a lot of people. We have a lot of subscribers. So you'll reach a lot of people. You want to advertise with us? We encourage it. Please let us know. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You can be a sponsor here on the podcast. Leave a voicemail message anytime you want. 24-7, we encourage you. Any kind of comments, anything, feedback, whatever you want to say, whenever you want to say it, 24-7, this phone line is open for you. Call us, 773-417-6948. Leave your magic megaphone message for me. As you know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, during the segment with Esmeralda, I like to bust out the old magic megaphone and play back a message that I have been told to say by you, the subscriber, the listener, whatever you want me to say, a secret message, a joke, a line from a movie, whatever. I'm a monkey. I'm here to please you. So the magic megaphone <laughs> will be busted out. You got a message for that? Leave it. Uh, email. Great way to do that. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. So anytime you want feedback, anytime, 24-7, please, we encourage it. Podcast us. Uh, not podcast us. Email us. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Voicemail us. 773-417-6948. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, on this, uh, today's, uh, episode, Marnie Schur is going to join us. She's the best. Marnie Schur is awesome. She is an editor at The Takeout, thetakeout.com, which is a fantastic food, uh, website, an offshoot from the fantastic The Onion. Uh, and she's terrific. We're going to talk about some great food topics and some fun stuff that's happening at The Takeout. And also, she's a big horror movie fanatic. 
And we're going to talk horror movies with her. And also, she participates in this great thing called Mortified. And they just had a gig at the Music Box Theater. We'll talk about that and much more. Marnie Shore, a delight. And we'll talk to her uh, coming up. And then after that, Esmeralda Leon, my uh, regular uh, cohort in crime, is going to be joining me. As I said, we have a magic megaphone message that we're going to get to. Uh, We're going to be taste testing more of the weird flavored Kit Kat bars from around the world. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke, as he always does. Yes, my dad is... uh, 81, and uh, he loves to tell jokes, and uh, she loves Hi, it. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. How you doing, baby? We're only three days away from uh, Cocaine Bear, by the way. Yeah, Carrie Russell's fantastic new film. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Cocaine Bear opens Friday. I can't wait. Anyway, so my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke at the end, and we're going to talk about things that, are, that were hated but are now loved. We talked about this uh, on a, a couple of episodes ago, and we're going to continue that conversation with a lot of things that people used to love, or I'm sorry, people used to hate, but now they love. Hated, but now loved. That's the topic we're going to jump into. And uh, so much more here. Again, we encourage you to call in, uh, leave a voicemail, or send an email, be a part of the show, give us some feedback, be a sponsor, all that cool stuff. And again, listen to all the other podcasts here at Radio Misfits. So, Marnie Schur is going to join us uh, right after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. Marnie, 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 Marnie. Marnie, sure. Marnie, 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 sure. Let's talk about food, baby. Marnie, Marnie, Marnie. Out of all the things you stick down your throat. Diesel, But don't take it from me. Ladies and gentlemen, I know that was kind of weird, but hey. Something that's awesome, Marnie Shore, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> he gets into uh, he does a little freeform kind of scat there. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit. Uh, it reminds me. Uh, this is it's very strange, but it reminds me a little bit of Bill Cosby. What he was doing there, <laughs> the Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby had a TV show in the 70s, in the early 70s, called the, the Bill Cosby Show. Or no, the Cosby Show? The Bill Cosby Show. The Bill Cosby Show. And this precedes the one he had in the 80s by about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played uh, Chet Kincaid, who was a PE, a PE teacher at a school. And I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid, and it was on late at night. Uh, in reruns and I watched it all the time and at the end he did like the theme song and it was all him going fear the slumber slinger slumber 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 and it remind and that what uh, Jason does in that theme kind of reminds me of the old Chet Kincaid Bill Cosby show that is kind of what I remember people like you know if you were going to do a Cosby impression in the early 90s that was still kind of what it was <laughs> it was a theme of slumber yeah exactly like uh like Keenan Thompson does a great one on SNL um, mm-hmm. which is very funny Marty Sure is with us and it's always a delight uh, the takeout.com the takeout before we jump into it tell everyone about the takeout and what you do there and all that fun stuff 
Sure. Um, the takeout is a food website for people who want to celebrate food of all kinds, you know, not just the fancy stuff, the, you know, New York dining scene, although we do touch on that. Um, we, we talk about fast food, we talk about snacks. Uh, it's for people who really just want to revel in the joy of eating. Yeah. And I love it. I think it's great. And uh, and this all is, is sort of an offshoot. It all began with the AV Club, the Onion, all that great stuff there. That's right. It's part of a grand tradition of Chicago-based things that are, you know, proudly Midwestern. Right. Exactly. And the Onion is certainly Midwestern. <laughs> no question about that. Well, welcome back, uh, Marnie. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. You were out of town for a few days, but now you're back. Welcome back to the... And we're, we don't have horrible weather. Today, in fact, is kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, wonderful. It's it's, it's good weather to come back to. Yeah, well, welcome back. And uh, okay. I see that you've, you you brought good weather with you, which is always nice. That's right. It's kind of a crappy weekend. Uh, the early part of the weekend was pretty bad. Friday was, wow. You weren't here, but Friday was bad. <laughs> was it just like disgusting? <laughs> it was really, it was, it was just, it was one of those days where it was, it rain, it snowed, freezing rain, and then it was cold. And then like, you know, your car door won't open, your window won't <sighs> go down, that kind of thing. With a lot of like gunky snow everywhere, and then it was gone. <laughs> within, yeah, and then it was gone within you know uh, like twelve hours. But uh, it just so happened to be at its worst when I took the blue line down to WLS. Of course, uh, of course. on a Friday morning at like six a.m. Um, yeah, but you and made the it. walk the walk from the blue line where I get off at Clark and Lake to you know the NBC Tower there at Pioneer Court. That's a pretty good walk, as you can imagine. So mm-hmm. that wasn't fun. Uh, but then it was gone. But you know, then it was it was gone. And you're back, and that's great. So we have a lot of a lot of fun stuff to talk about, food related things, and some things that you guys are working on and and have been uh, talking about at the takeout. But um, I do want to get to this. It, this has become kind of a regular thing now because you're a regular. Um, well, I mean, you have your own theme song. Clearly, you're a regular. <laughs> that's right. <host. laughs> uh, you happen to really like horror movies and have been watching them and have been kind of not obsessing, but really interested in them and having fun watching them. How long have you kind of been into the horror genre? Well, I really liked Halloween as a kid, um, even though, you know, the rest of what I was watching was definitely like Disney movies and stuff. Um, but something about Halloween was just like, it was fun to be that scared. Yeah. Um, and then in high school got super into evil dead one and two, um, and army of darkness, but one and two are a little, a little different, um, (laughs) you know, the zombie stuff. So then I got super into zombie stuff specifically and yeah, so probably since like adolescence, I would say, but now with the streamer, the streaming services, um, it's so easy to just pull them up at any given moment and just try one. Mm -hmm. True. Do you have Shudder? No, but I should. Oh, you, yes, you should, Marnie. Shutter <laughs> gotta... is fantastic. It, it's it, it's. I got. I have to say this. Uh, I'm not kidding when I say this. It's my favorite streaming service that I have. Well, I should definitely ditch one of the other ones for that one because I feel like I'm paying for twelve of these things. Yeah, I mean, if, especially if you because Shutter is only horror. Let me just say that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's called yeah. Shutter because it's it's not about Windows. It's actually about scary stuff. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, and it's it is. Uh, you know, they every month they update it. There's new stuff. They have straight, you know, they have films that are not produced by Shutter, original works. They import, you know, uh, horror films from around the globe. I mean, Dario Argento, the director of one of the maybe the scariest movie of all time, Suspiria. Mm-hmm. His latest movie was exclusively streaming on Shutter. Wasn't very good, wow. but you got to see Dark. dark it's called Dark Glasses, and that was exclusive to Shutter. And uh, so, if you're a horror fan. Marnie, if you dig the horror movies and if you're just like, hey, I want to watch a, I want to watch a horror movie, the selection and the quality uh, of, of horror product 
is it can't be beat on Shutter. Joe Bob Briggs has a you know has a show on Shutter that you can't get anywhere else. Drive-in show that you can't get anywhere else. It's a uh, it's a great service. I don't own you know I don't own stock in the company or anything. I'm just a horror <laughs> fan. I'm just a big horror fan, and um, and as a horror fan, it's my favorite genre. As a horror fan, Shutter's a fantastic service. So I would highly I've recommend. Gotta do it. I've gotta yeah. for sure. Maybe that'll be my next uh, you know treat yourself moment. Get a Shutter yeah. subscription. <laughs> exactly, and you, I, I I think you'll like it, especially if you're a big horror fan. Now, the last mm-hmm. time we spoke, uh, uh, Megan was the big was the biggest thing in the world, and you were so pleased about it. And you must be pleased that they're going to do a sequel. Yes, and and don't you just feel like that sequel could go in any number of directions? I do. Yeah. I, and all of them will be fabulous. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's, uh, I mean, Alison Williams is like the happiest person in the world because she, you know, executive producer on this thing. And, um, you know, uh, that every is time some she, return on investment. Oh, every time she did a, uh, you know, every time she did a talk show appearance, she was just smiling from ear to ear for like a full week, you know, during that publicity <laughs> tour. She was That's the happiest, good. happiest woman in the world. Because could you imagine if she kind of fell into the, you know, the horror movie um, genre unwillingly? That would be not fun for her and not fun for the rest of us. But the fact that she's really um, just owning it is so great. It is great. And I mean, you know, I mean, she's in Get Out and, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's a horror film. I mean, kind of. Um, Social horror, as I like to call it. Um, But she's great in that. Uh, you never trust oh, her again. Great. Like every other movie, every other movie that she's in now, I'm like, I don't trust her at all. <laughs> she did um, the heel turn so well. Exactly, in that movie. <laughs> she certainly did. But anyway, so Mar- uh, uh, Marnie—that was the name of the movie. Mar- <laughs> Megan was the name of the movie, not Marnie. Uh, Marnie's a real girl, not a robot. M four knee. That's right. So, uh, but now we want to talk horror, and specifically a film that has divided viewers. Um, it, uh, by the way, is available on Shudder. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is available on Shudder, but it did play the music box and it did play theaters for a few weeks. And it was an interesting little film. Uh, and I mean little, cause it was very, very low budget called Skinamarink. And it, it is very divisive. Horror fans, uh, are split on it. Uh, people who are not horror fans don't quite know what to make of it, <laughs> but you saw it. Tell me your experience. And for people who, who don't know, how would you describe Skinamarink? to to people oh wow um skinamarink was you know a fifteen thousand dollar project that has now grossed over two million at the box office um and i i wanted to see it because i was so fascinated by that escalation and by the trailer which went viral online um and i highly recommend everybody to watch it uh I, I couldn't get this thing out of my head. So I did go see it at the theater um, on like a Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't think I could have um, gone to see it in the dark and left the theater in the dark. Uh, uh, yeah. It was incredibly stressful. Um, and I had a knot in my stomach the whole time. And it was the most unforgettable uh, horror experience of my life. <laughs> I no. don't know if I'd say I liked it but mm-hmm. i was utterly compelled by it how would you describe the well plot but how would you describe <laughs> how would you describe this movie for someone for saying what is this thing what is this about what's the deal so it's the it sounds cartoonish <laughs> and it almost looks cartoonish at times but the plot is that uh as much as there's a plot two kids wake up in the middle of the night and their parents are gone and all of the windows and doors on their house have disappeared. And so they are stuck in a 
fortress of a house with dark forces. <laughs> that is the entire plot. <laughs> that's, I think, the best way to describe it. I wouldn't know how to describe it to people, but uh, but yeah, I guess that's the that's the easiest and best way to describe it. So you, this worked for you, obviously. You were terrified. Terrified. I well, it was also the first movie I have ever seen in the theater alone, and and I think that probably Wait, al- had something alone to do as with in it. nobody else in the theater. Uh, nobody else with me. Oh, um, so you you went alone, as in no friends, no no nobody yes, with you. Okay. Yes, because okay. I could not think of a single person in my life who would just casually go see this film. You should have <laughs> so, called me. I would have. I would have went with you. Yeah, that's you right. You were probably and, already saw it by that. Yeah, point. I probably did. But but anytime, Barney, if you if if you can't find somebody to see a horror movie with you, you got my number. That's right. That's, that's right. All I'm I saying. do have to. Yeah, yeah, because it's just more fun <laughs> seeing it with other people. Yeah, I mean, if you're it's, it's the horror genre, I'm up for it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'm up for. So you saw you were by yourself. Okay, I thought you were by yourself in the theater. I was gonna say, oh my god. Okay. No, the crowd was weird though. It was like some teens and some people. I want to say maybe like seventies. Um, oh and, my god. And 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 you know maybe ten people. It was a small theater, but yeah. there were about ten of us. And I thought, oh, the teens are gonna make fun of it, or they're gonna you know have some fun at this movie's expense. Um, no, everybody was, you could hear a pin drop the whole time. They were wrapped, mm. wrapped attention. Okay. All right. And you had a knot in your stomach and it really, what was it? Was it, was it about, was it sort of this? Cause it, it is sort of like, now, now, now I, let me just tell you that I, I hated it, Barney. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Yes. And I, I can't wait to hear why. <laughs> I absolutely, I was bored. I was bored out of my mind. Um, and I, I understand where the director was going with this. And as I was, as we were talking before we recorded this, the guy who made it actually, this is based. It's an expansion of a short film that he made, like a ten minute short film. Mm-hmm. And I can see it working for ten minutes, but literally seventy minutes into the movie, I'm like, okay, this has to end now. Um, I was bored out of my mind. It didn't scare me at all. Mm-hmm. I would, I just kept. Now I will say this: I did not see it in a theater. I saw it in my apartment. I watched it in my apartment. Okay, I I um, think that would definitely cause some effect, but hey, maybe in the theater you just would have felt even more trapped by it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know. So I mean, again, I want to be honest about that because I not only did I watch it, I watched it on a laptop, so that mm. so so that was just like so that that really does affect the way you watch a movie. Um, and I always, if I like a movie that I've watched at home on a laptop, or for some reason they sent a link because some you know the PR people sometimes don't have a screening in a theater. Mm-hmm. And they'll send critics links. So I've seen a, f- a few films. You know, I've seen a bunch of movies on, on a laptop. And if I like them, I will definitely go out and see them in a theater because I feel that that's the way to see it, the proper mm-hmm. way. Like, for instance, I saw After Sun. The first mm-hmm. time I saw After Sun, I saw on my laptop. And I was so blown away by it um, that the day it opened, I went again to see it. And I've seen it twice in the theater since. Um, it's It's almost like the theater then, it's... Like, if you're seeing something in the theater, is it usually because you already like it? And you're kind of rewarding yourself with that big screen experience? No, no, no. I mean, normally, because I, 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 I'm lucky enough to, you know, to review movies for, you know, for, for the podcast and for WLS. And so I get to see them beforehand. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, like for instance, uh, uh, to, uh, tomorrow night, in fact, I am seeing Cocaine Bear. And I could <gasps> not be more excited. I'm excited to hear what you think of that one. I am so, it's beyond exciting for me. But I get to see them ahead of time. Um, you know, 95% of the movies that get released, I get to see ahead of time. And if they don't have them in a movie theater or a screening room, 
they'll send you a link, like I said. So mm-hmm. I get to see them ahead of time. So Skinamarink was one that I did get to see ahead of time, but on my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, but normally, if I like a movie that I've watched on my laptop, I will go see it. But for the most part, I get to see the movies in movie theaters. So That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah and, yeah. and I will say, like, Skinamarink on the big screen – it's like enacting the like you sitting in a theater watching that movie um almost like enacts the feeling of the kids being trapped in the house because you're like I have nowhere to look but this screen and I yeah. have nowhere to be except in this house of horrors <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. you know it, it's an interesting experience it played the music box for a couple of weeks and I and I'm friends with the people at the music box and they said that that again the response from people was really divisive. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, people either came out and said, oh my God, that scared the hell out of me. It was unbelievable. Or they came out and said, what the hell was that? And yeah. they were, you know, I'm on the what the hell was that camp. But I, I, would, I would imagine that seeing it at the music, because it played in both theaters, if, if, uh, depending on what was playing, because it played in the big house and it also played in the smaller theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that the movie played better in the smaller theater. Like people freaked out a little bit more in the smaller theater than they did in the big 700 seat house probably because it's like a little more up in front of your face right i mean it it was hard like i I watched it in an amc but it was um but i was in a smaller theater with fewer seats and um there were certain times where i realized oh i haven't actually looked at the center of the screen for five whole minutes because i'm looking at like the exit sign (laughs) you know like just trying to keep my eyes away from whatever they're about to show me did it tap into childhood fear for you is that was that one of the things did you think about why the movie had such an effect on you that's a good question um someone had told me going into it that the entire movie feels like the last scene in the blair witch project and so i think i was like maybe mentally in the space that of, you know, being in early high school watching the Blair Witch Project. Uh, You know, maybe maybe that was kind of incidental. The the last scene in the Blair Witch Project still scares the shit out of me. Yeah. It still scares the shit out of me. That that image of Josh in the corner with his face facing the wall. I I mean my God. To me it's one of the most iconic images and moments in horror film history. It scared that movie still scares the shit out of me. It really does. Yeah, for as much as we make fun of it, you know, in pop culture for like the the face way up in front of the camera, it's like we all know what that is. We know it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I can understand so yeah, somebody describing it as the last scene for ninety minutes in uh but 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 it was did you ever have did you ever you know, as a child, I think we've all woken up in the middle of a in the middle of maybe a nightmare or something and and been disoriented and i think that's what the movie tries to tap into is that what you felt when you were when you were watching it probably because what you feel you know something that i don't think this is a spoiler in the movie like the kids are not responding the way that like scream queens would respond to horror yeah. in other movies they're yes. not screaming they're not crying uh, most of the time it's it's just kind of taking everything in with silent dread and that yeah. is what i remember about being a kid <laughs> yeah yeah well it worked on it worked on you and that was it now would you ever see it again did it scare you so much that you're like no there's no way i'm gonna watch this movie ever again I think I have to see it one more time to break its spell over me, you know? Oh, okay. I think, There's like, a, it still so has a spell scary. on you, really? <laughs> yeah, it's so scary that I'm like, I just have to see it all one more time. And then yeah. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> then you'll be fine. What other movies have scared you? Do you have, like, movies that, I mean, like, that, like, maybe, because you said, you know, since you were, you know, you were a kid, you started watching Halloween stuff, you got into the Evil Dead movies and all that cool stuff. Yeah. By the way, the Evil Dead, uh, have you seen the new the trailer for the new Evil Dead? I did, yes. Oh, that played oh, before Skinner <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Looks like uh, something. I'm all over. I love the remake, the 2013, uh, not remake, reboot, whatever it was, with Jane Levy. Uh, and yeah. I still think that Jane Levy's performance in that movie is one of the best female horror performances in history. She's amazing yeah. in that movie. And I love that movie. And it feels a lot like that's what it's going to be. Uh, the new Evil Dead. I'm all over it, man. Yeah, I'm there excited. I, well, I've got to catch up because I'm really just the, I've only really engaged with the original stuff. So mm-hmm. I have to, you know, become a completionist about that franchise and really get yeah, into it. You should watch Ash versus Evil Dead because my future ex-wife, Dana DiLorenzo, a good friend of mine, <laughs> uh, she's in it. And uh, yeah. and she's fantastic. Uh, so you should definitely watch that. But that's got more of the, you know, the Evil Dead movies got funnier as they went along. Yes, and they did. And and Evil Dead, Ash versus Evil Dead is great horror, great gore, lots of fun, but it's also really hilarious. Um, so, but yeah, and and yeah, I mean the original Evil Dead, people forget. You know, Evil Dead Two is funny. It's got you know a lot of like Three Stooges inspired gags and stuff in it. And I mean, Army of Darkness is ridiculous and awesome. <laughs> but the yeah. first the first Evil Dead is gory and creepy and really kind of gets under your skin. Yeah, like Bruce, you could see his comedy chops in that first one, yeah. but they, you know, they weren't really allowed to be um, cartoonishly on display yet. <laughs> now, have you? What movie scared you the most? You, do you, can you remember, like, when you were a kid or something, when you were watching those movies? Was there one that, like, okay, that's it, I can't ever watch that movie again? Oh man, um, as a kid, I'm trying to think. Honestly, I felt that way about ten years ago with that movie VHS. If you remember that one, the first one, yeah, because there's yeah. There, there's been three of those now, I think. Have there really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on. I think they're maybe four. There's, oh, but there's, there seems to have been one every other year now. Um, wow. Yeah. Which so Vietnam? No, but those are a series of short films. Was there was there anything in particular that really freaked you out in the uh, in the original VHS? They all freaked us. It was almost like a perfect uh, sampler platter of different ways to be scared, <laughs> right? Because there was uh, the the sort of vampire adjacent story. There was yeah. the slasher story, yeah, yeah, yeah. and even the supernatural story at the end. I don't usually find supernatural related stuff like um, seances and stuff very scary, but they found a way yeah. to make it pretty scary. Well, now, now, okay, I have to ask you this really quick. Have we talked about Hereditary? Oh my god! I don't know if we have, but I only just watched that for the first time last year, uh-huh. and now that's got seances in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was unsettling. Like yeah. for the rest of yeah. my life, I will be unsettled yeah. by that movie. I, I love that movie. Um, yeah. And again, speaking God, speaking of female horror performances, my God, Tony Collette, unbelievable. Should have won um, an Oscar. I know? agree. I totally agree. I mean, one yeah. of the best female performances in the past, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. That movie, again, that movie that movie still freaks me out, scares the shit out of me. It's also very funny. And then Ari Aster would go on to do Midsommar, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the best breakup movie ever. <laughs> well, here's my question with Midsommar. Because yeah. I saw Hereditary, and I was like, okay, I'm glad I watched it. I never want to see it again just because of, you know, <laughs> what it did to me. I understand. Me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I understand. It's a terrifying movie. It's a very terrifying. under your skin, creepy, terrifying. I think Hereditary is one of the scariest movies of all time. I, yeah. I love it. Now, what's your question about Midsommar then? Well, so if I feel that way about Hereditary, should I not see Midsommar? Oh, or wait, is you it haven't sufficiently... seen it. No, I haven't. Okay, y- yes, you must. You must. Okay. And here's the thing about Midsommar. It is clearly made by the same guy. Yes. It has, that, it has the same like tonal quality to it um uh and it's weird and there's sequences in it that are like oh yeah clearly this is the same guy that did hereditary but it's a much funnier movie um it is a dark really fucked up satire 
And I'm telling you, Marnie, when you watch it, first of all, you have to text me after you watch it. Yes. Um, it's magnificent. And, 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 and Florence Pugh is unbelievable in the lead. She's, she's amazing in it. But when it's, when it, when it's over and done, um, it is the best breakup movie of all time. And when you see it, <laughs> when you see it, you'll know why I think that. Like, so, but no, okay. I mean, it's clearly made by Ari Aster's the same guy, uh, but it's got, it's, it, it has the same like undercurring tension to it mm-hmm. that Hereditary had, but it's, it's a much blatantly, fu- cause there's funny shit in Hereditary. If you watch it as many times as I have, yeah. you find humor in it. Um, but Midsommar, like right from the get go is funny. Like you, when you watch it, you're like, what am I, God, what am I watching? <laughs> but yes. Uh, so I know I highly encourage you to watch it. I really, really uh, encourage you to watch it. It's terrific. Right. I'm it's adding terrific. it to the top of my list. Yeah, yeah. And make sure you text me after you were, afterwards. And remember, uh, when it's all over, what I said about it is it's the best breakup movie of all time. And then when <laughs> it's over, you may understand uh, my uh, history in relationships when you watch the movie. <laughs> well, now I have to watch it. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, okay, Let's, the, speaking of, of past and stuff like that, you got, you're a part of Mortified, Mortified Chicago, which yes. I love and I've been talking about for years on my, you know, on, on my old radio show. Uh, would talk about every time you guys had an event, every time Mortified, I would have people on the show to talk about it. Um, first of all, tell everybody what Mortified is and let's talk a little bit about the last one you guys had at the Music Box. Totally. Um, yeah, and thanks for always showcasing Mortified because it's one love of those it. things that every Chicagoan should know about it. Well, and actually they have shows all over the country, but uh, I work with the Chicago branch of the Mortified live show. Yeah. Um, Mortified is, it's its many things. It's a podcast, a stage show, a series of books, a game. But the stage show, it, it all focuses around um, people, adults, getting up on stage and reading or otherwise presenting the stuff they made as kids. So this could be like adolescent journal entries or maybe some crappy teen poetry or you know, paintings that they made, just different things that show who they were at this very precise moment in time. And the idea is that if we all get up there and share the shame together, we sort of alleviate it and we realize that we're all, you know, in this together. (laughs) So it's, it's got a great mission on top of everything else, but it's also just funny as hell. I agree. And I love everything about Mortified. I love it. And you guys have been doing your shows at the Music Box, which of course is an incredible venue. Yeah. Um, and you, the last one was it was a Valentine's Day themed Mortified? Yes. So oh my in, God. Okay. <laughs> in partnership with WBEZ, uh, yes. Mortified's been doing shows at the Music Box, right. which is great because then even more people can come hang out um, and see the show. And, and the February one, which took place on February 9th, was the doomed Valentine's Day show. <laughs> and so it, it dealt, you know, most Mortified shows will have uh, lots of recurring themes of unrequited crushes and things like that. But yes, the Valentine's Day show is maybe like the most ostentatious displays of love <laughs> and uh, crushes and secret admirers. And um, yeah, 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 it was a trip. It uh, we had we had someone who um, was an adolescent in the early two thousands, and she structured her journal entries like reality show TV episodes. <laughs> so she would write things like. Will I get together with my crush? Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> you know, just like things that you never knew other people were doing as a teen also. Yeah. And did you do anything for that one? I did not present for that one. You did um, not. Okay. But I got to work with some of the presenters on their pieces, and mm-hmm. it was a delight. 
that's that's amazing. How do people feel afterwards? Like I, I know that some people, because I've talked to people about it, um, and people are like, "No, I don't want to do it. I don't think I, I don't think I want to do it. I don't think I can get in front of people and do this." And then the people who are apprehensive about it, the people that you encourage or work with or make them feel comfortable, how do they feel afterwards? What's Luckily, it has been a, such a positive experience. Um, yeah. I don't think that anybody I've ever worked with on that show feels less than grateful um, for having that cathartic experience. Um, even people who started really nervous with the process, you know, not sure they wanted to get up on stage and share that stuff. It, in- it requires an incredible amount of vulnerability. But part of the process in working with story producers, such as myself and others, is we want to make it feel like this is not just something that you can do, but something that you'll feel great doing. So right. it's almost like, you know, you get new friends out of it, you get new experiences out of it, and you emerge, you know, from that stage being like, oh, I did this. I yeah. managed to do this, you know? Yeah. Well, not only that, but everybody's there. They're rooting you on. You know what I mean? Like everybody in that audience has, you know, we've all been there. Every single person who walks up on stage, no matter how different their experience was, is relatable to what you've done. Totally. And, and the and audience the audience is with you. You know what I mean? They're rooting you on. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's laughter, but it's not at anyone's expense. We're exactly. all laughing together. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, a lot of people see the show and become encouraged to submit their own materials. So if somebody wants to do this, if somebody wants to get up on that stage... They can share their material with us anytime um, at the Mortified website. You can uh, enter to perhaps be considered for a future show, which is really fun. And uh, what's the website that people can, you know, uh, you know, maybe submit their stuff to? Yeah, if you go to getmortified.com, you can select uh, Chicago. Um, you can you can see when the Chicago shows are happening, but you can also just enter from the getmortified.com website, and uh, it'll go to the right city. So if you're not in Chicago, yeah. you can submit too. Okay, getmortified.com. Uh, you, if you've got embarrassing stuff from your childhood, your teenage years, and we all do, <laughs> uh, share it. It'll be great. Now, uh, I want to talk really quickly before we get into the, the takeout stuff and the food stuff. Mortified is doing um, a show at the Music Box on May 4th. May about, the 4th yes, be with May, you. <laughs> May the 4th be with you. Um, it's Star Wars-themed Mortified. That's right. Uh, we try <laughs> to do, you know, loose themes. Uh, it's not a strict uh, requirement, but since it's a May 4th show, it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. So we had the Valentine show, and now we're going to have a Star Wars show. So if anybody has material that might fit that specifically, uh, definitely get in touch. So, and everybody, you know, uh, has the, a Star Wars sort of, you know, like uh, uh, went through. Well, I didn't really because I'm never, I'm not, I was never a big fan of Star Wars. <laughs> like when I was 12 when Star Wars came out, and um, and I and it, was, and it I should have loved it. You know what I mean? Like when it came yeah. out, I was like, oh, I should. But I was the movie that captured my imagination that year. My friends kept going to see Star Wars over and over again. I went to go see Close Encounters. That was the movie that got mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out a few months after Star Wars, and I remember my friends were like, "We're going to go see Star Wars again." I'm like, "Well, I'll go see Close Encounters. I'll meet you guys." <laughs> what a uh, great weekend at the movies where you could go and see both of those, though. Yeah, no, you, they were out in theaters at the same time, and um, and so like you know, I mean, Star Wars was in theaters for like a year and a half. I mean, it's yeah. an, it's incredible for, to even think that that's a thing now that a mm-hmm. movie could that a, that a first run movie could be in movie theaters for over a year, and Star Wars was. <laughs> Wow. Um, it really was. Meanwhile, um, I tried to see Glass Onion in the theater, and it was like, "Sorry, it's been seventy-two <laughs> hours. It's gone." Yeah, no, you got to watch it on your on your phone. That's the best <laughs> yeah. way to watch it. 
Um, but yeah, but now, but everybody now, do you have Star Wars? Do you, do you have any? Are you going to participate in this? Have you ever dressed up like Princess Leia? Have you ever been a Wookiee? Anything like that? I didn't see these movies till college. Really? I, yeah, I, I t- it totally passed me by. I think because my parents didn't watch them, so it, you know, I think if you aren't introduced to them as a kid, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't hit the same. Um, but I totally get the appeal for people. It's like an endless well of storytelling. Oh um, yeah, and and I I know enough about them that. I can really appreciate the nuances that I'm sure we're going to find in people's journals. <laughs> Even people who are younger than I am, obviously, this is just, it gets passed down from generation to generation. But my friends were, you know, my friends, especially ones who were maybe three, four years younger than me, mm-hmm. um, they had all the toys. They had all <laughs> Halloween. They were always, you know, Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. They were Darth Vader. I mean, it was, it permeated every part of our culture of my generation, and especially yeah. people who, like I said, four or five years younger than me. Um, but yeah, I never, and it's, you know, I think that yeah. this show is for them, so I hope they show yeah. up at the music no, box. <laughs> and I'm sure that there are thousands and thousands of people who are, you know, who will be like, oh my God, mortified. I have to share my embarrassing Star Wars st- stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> are you kidding me? I, my, my, my two, two of my, uh, my film critic buddies, uh, Eric Childress, who still reviews movies on my podcast with me, and Colin Suter, who used to review movies with me on WGN, um, whenever a Star Wars movie came out, like a new one or whatever, I would have those guys on because I honestly couldn't give a shit when the Star Wars <laughs> movies come out. I just don't care. And so I would have them on because, and then they would all, they would, br- I would have them bring in their toys from oh, their wow. childhood. And I'm not kidding. We have pictures and I, I'll send some of these to you, Marnie. Yeah. Of like adult men playing with their Star Wars toys from like 20 <laughs> years earlier. Oh my God. I'm not kidding. And then, it- it's something it, it, about this franchise. What is this? I don't. I really. I, it captured the, the 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 imagination of millions and millions of kids. And just to have these adult film critics in my studio with piles of weird like robots and dolls and all kinds of crazy shit that made noise. And I was like, "What do you guys do? What are you doing?" They want some, He brought in one of them. Brought in like a complete Lego Millennium Falcon that they made. Oh, like gosh. a giant, I was like, "What are we talking about here?" But man, it, you know, you are going to get so many submissions, Marnie. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you are. Um, if I so. can get, uh, you know, on May 4th at the Music Box, if I can get one person to do a Chewbacca impression, I'll oh, know that it had been a successful evening. It's what's insane was I did a play. Uh, I wrote a play and uh, called Alive back in 1994, and we had a scene in it where these two drunk guys were out, go out on a porch. It's about six guys who get loaded every Friday and hang out. It was based on me and my friends. Nice. And uh, and at one point, a guy is really drunk, and so he takes him out. His friend takes him out to the to the balcony to sober up, and then they start saying, "Hey, remember when we used to play Star Wars together?" And then they go through. It's a whole monologue with these two guys pretending to be Star Wars characters <laughs> uh, and Star Wars. And I'm telling you, the, 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 that play touched the button. We ran it for three years, and it was, a, it was a play that was like, it was dubbed like, you know, like a, hey, it's a Gen X play. And it yeah. was. <laughs> um, and that sequence, that whole scene, where these two guys are out on, their, out on the porch, like pretending to be Han Solo, and, and, and one of the guys did a killer uh, Chewbacca. That's one of the reasons why we did it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that whole scene was one of the most popular, crowd-pleasing moments in that play. Was these oh, two bet. guys? Yeah, these two guys reminiscing about how when they were kids they used to play Star Wars, and now they get drunk every Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to tap into. I'm telling you, it's going to tap into something big. May fourth. I'm so excited at the Music Box. That's going to be fun. And uh, getmortified.com. Okay, uh, let's talk about some of the some of the stuff at the takeout now. Um, 
I, 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 we have to talk about this. There's a map that displays the cost of Big Macs nationwide. This is a great story. This, this is why I love the breaking news at the takeout. Tell me about the <laughs> yeah. Big Mac story you guys are covering. So I don't know if anybody um, or, or I, do you spend much time on Reddit? No. I mean, I do every once when I when I Google something, inevitably one of the links will take me to Reddit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like one of the yeah, and, and I'll be like, oh, and then I'll look at Reddit for a little while, but I do not follow it on any regular basis. Do you? Well, not in my regular like internet surfing, but I'm so glad we end up talking about it for work so much because on the takeout we really try to share the best stuff that we come across on Reddit. Um, fast food is just such a treasure trove I on bet. Reddit. Um, I bet, all yeah. the you know, and, and a lot of it, um, it's like intel from fast food workers, for example, people who can tell you when, you know, McDonald's things are coming back before it's been announced and things like that. But um, this is a perfect example. So last week, a map hit Reddit called McCheapest. You can find it at <laughs> McCheapest.com. McCheapest.com. Okay. <laughs> McCheapest. <laughs> and it's uh, an interactive U.S. map. And it has tons of dots all over it, ranging from very green to so red that it's almost like black. It's like so dark red. And these represent um, the price of a Big Mac in any given area. This is taken from data on the McDonald's app. So, you know, local ordering pages. And that data is compiled into this map. And it's updated all the time. I love this. I love this. Because you know you don't know who you envy until you look at this map, and then you see that someone's paying way less for a Big Mac. <laughs> um, but what's funny is right now, because the the results do change uh, based on fluctuations in the market or whatever else. But right now, I don't think I could have guessed where the cheapest and most expensive Big Macs are. Okay. Do you want to try? Uh, well, I'm, I've cheated because I've read your piece. So, oh um, darn. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, but no, but please, no, no, please tell us uh, where is the cheapest? Uh, where is so, the cheapest? The cheapest is in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's three forty nine. And I think a lot of places around the country are kind of hovering at that price Isn't point. That, yeah, I was going to say that's around right three fifty three ninety something like that. Yeah, that's that certainly right. yeah, that's a price I remember paying for it at certain points. Um, yeah. But I guess maybe I haven't had a Big Mac years in a long ago. Time. Yeah, yeah it's same. Been a long time since I had a Big Mac. Yeah. I would have thought, I would have put a million bucks on the guess that the most expensive Big Mac would have been in California because I lived in LA for 18 months and most of what I remember is paying way more for food at restaurants. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but California's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not California. No, it's completely on the other side of the country. Um, California's prices are okay. The worst one is uh, in Lee, Massachusetts, and it's $8.09. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, go to Shake Shack at that point, right? Eight, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> $8.09 for a Big Mac. Where is Lee, Massachusetts? Is it how in like relation to Boston? Uh, do we know? It's, yeah, it's closer to the western side of the state. Gotcha. You know, the western edge. So, yeah. And I, I don't think that there's any obvious reason why it would be more expensive there. Um, it's not a more, exp- you know, it's not a hugely costly city to live in but um maybe it's just a matter of getting everything shipped there or something i guess uh, boy eight yeah. bucks for a big mac that's ridiculous now where do we stand uh in the chicago area are we, we've got to be around the 350 mark right three bucks something like that we're yeah well in the surrounding areas of chicago and the suburbs you might pay between five and six dollars for a big mac 
Um, wow. Okay. But, it's been a while for me then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> okay. but that depends a lot on real estate too. Like if I go to the nearest McDonald's, um, from work, that's the, uh, the river North one. And yeah. that's going to be way more expensive exactly. because they're paying exactly. for real estate. Yeah, no, exactly. No. And it's weird. Cause the location is uh, you're like, you're, you're talking about the one in river North. I, I went there, um, strictly, uh, during McRib season, because I, that's the only time <laughs> I ever really go to McDonald's is I happen to be one of those McRib maniacs. Right? Good taste. Oh my God. I love, <laughs> I love the McRib. To me, it's the greatest fast food sandwich of all time. One of the reasons I love the McRib is because there's no lying in that sandwich. Yeah. It tells you up front. I'm artificial. These are not bones. This yep. <laughs> this is processed. It really shouldn't. It shouldn't <laughs> even bother with the fake little riblet I, shape. I, <laughs> no, I love that. I love the fact that it is that. It's like, but you're not biting through bones. You know that. You know that this is a completely processed piece of something. And 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 I. One of the things I love most about the McRib is its honesty. That's yeah. The, I get it. Also, it tastes great. I love it. I I'm. But yeah, no, the last time I was at the River North um, uh, McDonald's was a few months ago during McRib season. That was the last time I was there. Yeah. And I don't remember how much I paid. But yeah, McCheapest for people who are interested in finding out where they... Now, and you say that this gets updated uh, pretty regularly. Yeah, it's got a bot populating it. The designer of the map... Um, created a bot that like scrapes information from the app prices. And so as those change, the map will change. Uh, but the really interesting part is that the creator of this map said that they uh, intend on maybe tackling egg prices next. Wouldn't that oh, be useful? Jeez. Yeah. I, you know, I have not had a breakfast sandwich since the egg prices have gone through the roof. I don't know. I mean, cause I, I, that's the only time I ever go to McDonald's normally is really early in the morning. Like I mentioned, when I go to LS Mm-hmm. Uh, or when I go to an early morning screening, I will stop at the one at Clark and Lake. It's right at the blue line, right across the street from the blue line. Um, and I usually get like a breakfast sandwich of some kind uh, yeah. and, some, and some hash browns. But I normally, that's the only time I, and, and I don't remember the last time. You know, it's weird because I don't really now, because of these kiosks and stuff, do you find yourself not really paying attention to what you're paying? <sighs> yes. Is that just me? <laughs> I mean, no, I, and, and I need to watch my money. I'm not making any money on anything right now. And so I need to watch my money. But it's just so easy to just like tap, 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 you know, bomb, bomb, yes. bomb, and you're done. You know what Especially, I mean? You don't have to pull Especially, yeah, with all the customizations they let you have. And they I don't, know. You know, they show the price of the customization, but you don't think about it. And then it all really adds up. I paid like $30 for two people at Taco Bell the other day because it's like... <laughs> Because yeah. because you get so excited, you're like, oh, I'll swap this for this, and I'll yeah. add avocado. And, yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. I did the same thing. I, the one that I go to is the one at Lake and Wabash, yeah, the, the cantina. That's the one that I go to, you know, regularly because it's like right downtown when I do my stuff and I stop in there. And the last time I went in, I got like three of the Dorito taco shell mm-hmm. supreme taco. I just like twelve bucks for three yeah. of those and a co- and a coke. You know, yeah. yeah, it's like almost twelve. It was like a like ten ninety nine, eleven bucks. That's a more that. expensive location too. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, speaking of expensive, what about Krispy Kreme? Now, here's the in- incredible thing: is that we've been seeing that their stores have been closing down. This has been a, a you know a pretty a, a pretty widespread story here that Krispy Kreme stores have been closing down. But they had a record-setting year. You guys cover that on the takeout. How does that happen? How do stores close down and then Krispy Kreme has a record year? Yeah, so uh, Krispy Kreme sold 1.63 billion donuts in 2022. Oh my God. <laughs> And it was the record-setting year for them. Um, they oh had God. never sold more no more donuts than they did in 2022. Um, but yeah, it, to your point, the brick-and-mortar stores are closing down. Yeah. And 
that has not slowed their business because they've been really strategic about where to put donuts in front of people. Um, more and more people might be noticing Krispy Kremes popping up at grocery stores or at convenience stores. And, you know, instead of trying to lure people to a brick and mortar location, it, you know, has behooved the brand to just put the donuts in front of people where they're already going. So they're just out and about more, you know, like Krispy Kreme, uh, like penetration in the market is just, you just see it more in the wild, you know, it's not relegated yeah. to their stores. Yeah. How many, and how many donuts did they sell again last in 2022? <laughs> 1.63 billion. <laughs> I can't 1.6. I mean, they're good donuts though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, um, they, uh, they, they all, they've also been focusing, um, speaking of good donuts on premium offerings. So instead of trying to live and die by the original glazed, which a lot of other places have done, you know, um, yeah. in competition with them. They're trying to push a lot of super gourmet options. Like I just, um, I just saw an ad that they're going to bring back like a Reese's one, you know, like, yeah. s- like things that excite people by the way that they look and they're seasonal and they're extra decadent and that extra decadence gets people through the door. Wow. Yeah. I can, well, and, and they're, and they're, again, you know, these aren't cheap. These are not like crispy. Krispy Kreme mm-hmm. is not cheap donuts. Mm-hmm. You're gonna pay. Quality you're gonna pay. Uh, you're gonna pay a little money for, for Krispy Kreme. But man, they're good. Yeah, they're good. Wow. So 1.63 billion donuts. <laughs> it's a lot of donuts. <laughs> we like our donuts in uh, in in this country. Yeah, it's amazing. Krispy, you a fan of Krispy Kreme? Now, just the regular glaze. Is that your favorite? I love a Krispy Kreme, but I go with the fancy stuff. I like, you know, something cream-filled, something elaborate. Um, the yeah. original glazed, not my favorite. Hey, by the way, today is Punchki Day. As as Wait. this as this episode drops, today is Punchki. Oh yeah, that's right. Happy Punchki uh, Day, everybody. Happy Punchki Day. Um, one of the great things about working the overnights back uh, at WGN was I would always get the first batch of Punchkis. Oh wow! The right hot towards and the fresh end, of my, ones. Cause, yeah, because my show would end at five a.m., and I would have these guys from Continental Bakery come in every year and bring in, and I would get like three dozen punchkis oh. of every kind, every imaginable flavor, every decadent, ridiculous, cream-filled, decorated punchki you can imagine, and we would just go nuts, and the newsroom would go nuts, and of I course. was that was the mo- at that time people were like, I don't know how you can work overnights except on punchki day. <laughs> yeah, they would then come it's an in. asset. They would, yeah, they'd come in around four four a.m. and we would just have the fresh, the freshest, best punchkis ever. Wow! Yeah. And did you see what JP Graziano is doing for Punchki Day this year? I did not know. Uh, I read on Block Club Chicago that um, they're doing a Jardinera flavored punchki. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet and heat. It sounds like they might pull it off, you know? (laughs) Well, today is Punchki Day. Let's go. Let's go get some Jardinera-flavored Punchki. My God, that's insane. That's completely nuts. Man. Uh, But yeah, so so Punchki. uh, And, and, you know, Fat Tuesday. So everybody's going to eat Punchkis and get drunk tonight because they can't do that for the next 40 days. (laughs) Right. Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Now, before we go, Easter is coming up. As we mentioned, Lent, uh, you know, is happening. And then that leads to Easter. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the insane number of flavored peeps and are where are you pro or anti peep, Marnie? 
Well, I'm probably the only person in America for whom this is true, but I always hated peeps, didn't like them until they made a sour watermelon flavor and I love them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the specific sour watermelon is fine for you. Yeah. Okay. All right. But uh, they've got all sorts of new flavors this year that I'm actually really excited to try now because I'm like, well. The next time you're on, next time you're on, let's get you in here before, uh, before Easter. Yes. And peeps let's do taste let's, tests? let's do some peeps taste tests, okay? Awesome. Um really quickly though, Marnie, run down some of the flavors cuz they they peeps has a ridiculous amount of flavors that they're going to be pushing through Easter uh, and we'll taste a few of these. What what are some of your favorites that are on this extensive list of peeps flavors? I am most excited about the sparkly wild berry marshmallow bunny peeps, uh the <laughs> <laughs> the fruit punch flavored peeps. <laughs> The hot tamales, fierce cinnamon peeps, and the uh, where is it? Oh, the Dr Pepper peeps. That See, one I think is the most exciting. That's that's the one. I looked at this mm-hmm. list and it's insane because there's like a, this, you know the Mike and Ike's flavored. They've got uh, you know rainbow pop, the <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff. The hot tamales, as you mentioned, party cake. You like the sour watermelon, but Dr Pepper. I you know I I. Uh, this is my, my 20th anniversary of caffeine. Uh, I gave up caffeine 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Congrats. And, uh, yeah, and nicotine on the same day. I was a real pleasure to be around, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I quit smoking and I quit, uh, I quit caffeine and nicotine on the same day. It was real. For about, for about a month and a half, I was a real joy. Uh, Fun to be stuff. Around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I miss Dr. Pepper. And everybody's like, mm-hmm. well, just drink the caffeine-free, Dr. It doesn't taste the same. Really? Um, Dr. Pepper was my favorite pop ever. And, it's um, the best. It's the best ever. And I don't so, get. I don't get how that's not everyone's opinion. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. It is the best pop of all time, Doctor Pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll even drink. A, I, I would even settle for a Mister Pib every once in a while, but not nearly as good as the Doctor Pepper. But that's it. We are taste testing without question. One of the peeps that we taste test next time, Marnie, Doctor yes. Pepper, without yes. question. Absolutely. So, so that's something to look forward to. All right, uh, Marnie. Always uh, such a joy and uh, and and so much fun to talk to you about yeah, horror thanks. movies and food and mortified. Everybody go to getmortified.com, get your Star Wars stuff if you want to submit that. Check out the takeout.com. There's a ton of other things that you guys are working on and we'll have you back on in a, in, in a few weeks or so uh, to, to taste test some peeps and uh, talk more about what's happening at the takeout. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so okay. much for having me. Okay, Marty, you're the best. See you later. Have a good one. All right, take care. Marnie Schur, everybody, she's the best from thetakeout.com. And yeah, we will taste test some very weird flavored peeps coming up for Easter. All right. Hey, speaking of taste tests, we're going to do one with Esmeralda coming up here. It's Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon. All right. Well, you know what that means. It means it's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, as we do on uh, every uh, episode. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. You're excited because you're leaving for uh, Mexico. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be magical because you are actually going to be, uh, on the podcast 
while you're in Mexico. I don't know how that's going to work. I know. Technology. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, so, very cool. Uh, you, you get, you're uh, leaving your five days you're gone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, have a great time. I hope the weather's good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Very, very cool. Uh, did you have a good weekend? Anything uh, fun happen? Not really. Just kind of laid low, hung out. Uh, I'm on a journey of watching all the Mission Impossible movies now. Before it was the Fast and Furious. Uh-huh. <laughs> which I need to finish that journey with the last one that they're putting out, which is Fast nine. Oh, it's no. ten? Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, Fast X. <sighs> I've watched nine of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, is there? I mean, is there a reason why you're doing this? I mean, these. Uh, uh, it's Colin. Colin. Ah, <laughs> I see. Uh, well, the, you know, the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, the Fast and Furious movies. I think are fun. Yeah. Uh, but they're really fucking stupid. Um, yeah, yeah. The Mission Impossible movies are legitimately good. Like they're. Yeah, we they're... are. Um, we just watched. Uh, the last one we watched, I believe, is Rogue Nation. Great one. It's terrific. It's terrific. Fallout's the mm. best one. Fallout's the last one. Fallout is the best one. Mm, okay. It, 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 the, the thing about the Mission Impossible movies that's insane is that it's one of the only because se- because the, the Fast and the Furious movies and I love some of them. I especially love. I don't. I don't know which ones are which. Because yeah, I don't know. They, I don't know. They all melt. I just together. wish they would give numbers. They don't give numbers for all of them. The, no, they don't because they give one is. One is actually Fast and Furious and not The Fast and the Furious. And one is like Tokyo Drift. And then there's... Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then there's what Furious. One is just called Furious 6 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but the ones, the five and six, I think, are the best ones, if I remember correctly. There's a, there's a, whichever one where they're driving cars from one high-rise building to another when they jump from one to, to the other. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that one. The one where they're driving down, there's a big chase where they've got a, each, they've got two cars with like a giant safe dragon behind them. Yes. Yeah. yeah That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, and the one where there's a, there's a plane that's taken nine hours to take off, like the longest runway ever. And there's like a 40 minute fight scene. Yes. On, and, and it's like the runway must be 27 miles long. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where is this runway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When is this fucking plane going to take off? You know, there's so... Uh, but all of those, I mean, I love individual scenes and I love the movies and I have a great time. And, you know, like everything, family, mm-hmm. you know, that's all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last one was so goddamn stupid where, was it, um, who was it? The two guys were in John space. Cena. John yeah, Cena is, yeah. uh, what's his face's brother. Right, he comes back. He's he's uh, Vin Diesel's brother. Yes, and he's the bad guy. And he comes back for the new one. He comes back for ten. And yeah, that, they all come back. They like, all they're all in there except for The Rock. He's not back. Um, right? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. He's never coming back. He uh, yeah. They had some issues uh, with him. Um, but but like, they have they're Jason all back. Momoa in the new one. Right, Momoa, who is you know that's that makes me think why uh, uh, I can't stand that guy except for Dune. Cannot yeah. stand Jason Momoa. I hate him. But yeah, but but the thing about the, the but there are so many great things and so many great things in those movies that they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh but they're really stupid. I mean, they're really really Oh, stupid. for sure. Um, no, we were watching some just some clips of it and where you would see the car clearly like the car would not be able to survive. Oh, God. whatever 
where it fell from God knows yeah. where, but yeah, then yeah. They, the next shot is just perfectly fine. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. I mean, they're completely absurd, and 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 I and I love I love watching those movies. But see, like the last one, I thought because now they just keep getting longer and dumber. Mm-hmm. And then like they they bring Charlize Theron in and they fucking waste her because she's Furiosa. You put her. You put her in a Fast and Furious movie and you don't have her drive a goddamn car? Like, she's Furiosa. Right. Put her behind yeah. the wheel of a goddamn car. You know what I mean? I don't know. Anyway. But the Mission Impossible movies rule. And the and Fallout is unbelievable. Fallout, the last one, mm-hmm. to me, I, one of the best action movies of the past. Like, right, the second best action movie of the past 15 years, only to Fury Road. Oh, wow. Oh, it's that good. It's that good. Oh. So, so you got that to look forward to. Those are, those are, uh, yeah, those are fun movies. The Mission Impossible ones are actually technically better. Um, but then who, who are the two idiots that are always teamed up? Is it Ludacris and uh, the other guy? And uh, they're off in the um, space. They go Tyrese. to space. Yeah, Tyrese and Ludacris, right? They, and they're Tyrese in space. Tyrese and Ludacris, yeah. Aren't they in space? The cars they go in to space. space. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so the last one, it's Tyrese and Ludacris, those two idiots. Because they always do the goofiest shit, and they're always like, they always have like the catchphrases, like the like the dumb cat. Oh, now we're now we got a tank, you know? Like they they always have like yeah. some sort of. <laughs> oh, now we're going to space! Like they always state the obvious. Those guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Well, those you could do worse. Those are fun movies. I remember seeing the first one, and I loved mm-hmm. it. And I remember catching hell from all everybody, Eric, Colin, all the guys, the music, the movie mm-hmm. guys. They were like, "Are you out of your mind?" And I remember I took my uh, I, I took uh, my 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 girlfriend at the time to see it, and we both were just like, we loved it. Uh, and and uh, and that was like we was it was kind of early in our relationship. This girl that I dated, we were a few months into our relationship, probably five five months into our relationship. But the first movie that this girl and this girl that I dated that I lived with for a while, her name is Helena. The first movie we all we saw together was that goddamn um, the first Riddick movie. Um, oh, the blind were uh, P- Pitch Black. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That was our first date movie. That was the first movie we ever <laughs> saw together. And so we we were like, oh, we've been together like five six months or something like that. And like, oh, let's go see the new Vin Diesel movie, the the Fast and the Furious, because our first movie together was Pitch Black. <laughs> And then I ended up loving it, and she thought it was hilarious. But the thing about the first Fast and Furious is that it's it's a it's it is essentially a a, a fucking remake of 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 Point Break. It's the same movie except for yeah. surfing. Yeah, I can see that. It's cars. Yeah, they're just driving cars. It's yeah. the same movie, <laughs> exactly the same movie. So, so anyway. All right, well, have fun watching that because uh, you're done with the. We get well now. You got to wait till the the next one comes out because it comes out in the theaters. Right, and summer. I think that that was part of the the buildup. Let's yeah, watch. Sure. Let's watch all of them. Yeah, then because then the Mission new Impossible, one and we can the, go the new see Mission that. Imp- yeah. new Mission Impossible comes out this summer too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dead Reckoning, which is only the first half of it, is coming out this summer. Oh boy, it's going to be like a four hour, <laughs> four and a half hour movie. So there you go. Anyway, all right. Well, that's cool. You, you, are you going to watch any of those while you're in Mexico or no? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. You're going to be a little busy while you're in Mexico. Yeah. So, oh, oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. You know, uh, you know, she was in one of them. I love Nick's show. She's in the third one. Yeah, she's in the third one. Yeah, you know why? Why the one that the Philip Seymour Hoffman is the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know why? 
Because J.J. Abrams made that one. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, J.J. Okay. Abrams yeah. is the creator of Felicity. Yeah. And she's all gross and head yeah, explodey. She, and she gets killed and shit in that movie. Yeah, I did not enjoy that. I did not enjoy seeing Carrie Russell. Uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie yeah. Russell. Hi, Carrie. And I love Nick's show. You know, I don't know if she gets killed in Cocaine Bear, which I'm seeing tomorrow. Um, And I don't know if she gets killed in Cocaine Bear. I hope she doesn't. Well, let's, yeah, let's hope not. No. I want my Carrie Russell to live. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah, man! So, um, all right, well... Uh, yeah, Cocaine Bear, Esmeralda. Tomorrow, I get to see it. It's, uh, we were gonna go, for some reason, we saw it online or whatever, that it was showing somewhere, and then I went, no, it's not, because I know you were gonna see it It opens Friday. It opens Friday. So I'm like, yeah, it can't be. I think they just mislabeled or whatever, but. Colin yeah. got very excited. No, no, I'm like, Friday. no, it's not. You guys out will yet. be in Mexico. You guys will be in Mexico. When you get back, come go and see it when you get back. Go check it out when you right. get back. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to the screening tomorrow and I'm losing my mind. Um so anyway. And uh and tonight is our uh is our live event at Zany's. Yeah. And I hope that people I come out. It's uh it should be a good time. I hope so. I hope we hope we have a nice crowd. Uh John DeCoss is our special guest. Amy Guth is sitting in for Esmeralda. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't got your mm-hmm. tickets yet, you still got time. If you're, you know, if you're listening to this uh, before seven thirty on Tuesday, you still you can still get out there. Rosemont.zanies.com, seven thirty live. Um, nice. So anyway, all right. Uh, hey, uh, the magic megaphone. Now we did not have a magic mm-hmm. megaphone the last time we were together because we had Slap Slapley on. Right. Um, and boy, did I have fun with Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch, that was fun. Yeah, that was a good day. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> it was nice. We reminisced. I talked a lot about Hannah oh. Calder and Mother Jugs and Speed, and she was very calm and very good, <laughs> patient with me. But oh, we, I'm glad. The, the Magic Megaphone is back, and if you have a Magic Megaphone message, you want me to speak into the megaphone, it magically goes through the ether, and you can have a secret conversation or a joke or whatever. Uh, you can email that to me, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So this one, Esmeralda, is from Bob mm-hmm. Grease. Okay. Yes. He is a loyal listener following me despite moving to Huntsville, Alabama three years ago. Oh, wow. So, that's fun. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing about podcasts. You can be anywhere in the world and listen to them anytime you want. Exactly. So, But he has a magic megaphone message that he wanted me to record. Are you ready for it, Esmeralda? And then I'll explain it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Pizza should be cut in squares as God intended. Pizza should be cut in squares as God intended. So pizza should be cut in squares as God intended. So there you go. Pizza should be cut yeah, in so, I think he is correct. Yes, <laughs> um, I agree. Well, he uh, he says hello, Nick. Hi, hello, Esmeralda. I'm a longtime listener. I go back to your nine thirty morning movie reviews with Roy Leonard's Saturday morning program. So that's a long time ago. Thank you. Mm. Uh, and my megaphone message is pizza should be cut in squares as God intended. Uh, thank you for your consideration. Keep up the fabulous work. That's from Bob Grease. And pizza should be cut in squares as God intended is uh, one of my catchphrases mm. um, that I say all the time. Because um, tavern style pizza is my favorite kind of pizza because I grew up here in Chicago. So, uh, and, uh, I, and for me, the square cut tavern style, that's real Chicago pizza. Everybody who comes to town yeah. for the, for the, you know, for the deep dish or the stuffed pizza, that's mm. tourist pizza. Exactly. 
So. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. Tavern, and it's it's just good. <laughs> what was the place? Delicious. Now, you, growing up in Joliet, what was the pizza place you would order from? Did you? Because everybody has. Um, like, we a pizza honestly place. we we didn't really order pizza a lot. <laughs> Never. Yeah, we didn't really grow up eating pizza. Wow. Okay. So when did you first start eating pizza? When you were an adult? Um, I mean, we ate pizza. I ate pizza at school and stuff, but my parents weren't ordering pizzas. Okay. For dinner or anything. <laughs> All right. So you're for, when, when did you first order a pizza? Do you remember regularly? Was it when you moved out? You um, moved? Yeah. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Where do you yeah, order we from now? We didn't really order delivery at all growing up. Okay. If we did, we'd go out and eat somewhere, but yeah, we never did. Was there delivery. a pizza place in Joliet that you went to that you liked? Um, There was a place. Oh, I can't remember it, but um, Aurelio's. Aurelio's was the go-to. Oh, okay. And I, I think they I... have a bunch of them they all do. over Aurelio, the place. But yep. that was always like the go-to when like someone had a pizza party like for a birthday or something like that. That was the go-to the yeah. go-to pizza place in Joliet was Aurelio's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there are there I think there are several uh, of those around uh, the Chicago land area if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 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 We used to order from uh, Pete's Pete's Pizza on uh, Oh, the one on Well, there's one on Western. Is yeah, that, that was the one that we ordered. Yeah, the one people? on Western. Oh, okay. Yep, uh, Pete, there's a bunch of them. There's a few of them, but the but the one on Western right by Waveland Bowl, right by uh, Lane mm-hmm. Tech. That's the one we ordered from pretty regularly. Pete's Pizza. Oh. Um there were a few other ones like um uh Diagostinos at Addison and Southport, which is still mm-hmm. there. Diogs on the corner, yeah. which is That's now delicious. You know, I Yeah. Whenever I'm over there, I like to get that pizza. Yeah, great pizza, great, great pizza. And we used to we used to drink in the bar because Diog's the bar is right there. Mm-hmm. When I worked when I worked at the Jewels there, um, they would open the you know, the bar would open at like eight in the morning. And we'd, we'd go, cool. We would work. <laughs> we would work eleven to seven, and we would go there right. and just get loaded. And by noon, we'd be drunk. It was fantastic. <laughs> What's a, you work overnights. That's what you did. You would work overnights yeah. at Jewel, and yeah. we'd go get shit faced until noon, and go home, eat something, and go to bed. <laughs> that was the, that was the quite a day. Life. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, my dad's gonna come in and tell a joke. Very um, good. Uh, yeah. And he's also gonna tell joke uh, live on the uh, on the on the, uh, on the uh, at uh, Zany's tonight. So that's yeah. Cool. And did he? Um, he's gone through them with you. He did. Yeah, are they my, are they blue again? They are again. Yeah, my dad my dad <laughs> is enjoying this freedom. Well, I mean, he had, you know, he never he didn't have the freedom when we were on the car wash to go blue. True. And true. I told him on the podcast he can. I drop f bombs on every episode of this podcast. And yeah, you know, and I told my dad if you want to go blue, he's like, I don't know. But then I, I guess because <laughs> I guess because it's a comedy club, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, a comedy club, I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, dad. right. So. But yeah, I, I, heard, I like this newfound freedom for him. Yeah, he's very happy about it. He's very happy. He he can now truly express himself as a comedian now as well. He's yes. Been, you know, so anyway. Uh, but my dad will tell a joke. Uh, so anyway. Um, remember when we were talking about things that uh, that were hated, but now they're loved? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We've got a few more of those because that was, that was uh, kind of fun to talk about. And I did have uh, an email from someone. Hmm. Uh, that was about the uh, about the uh, the hated and then loved thing. Hang on a second. Let me uh, let me find it here. Um, uh, oh, oh. 
Okay, here it is. Hey, Nick, longtime listener here. I met you once at a film uh, film club screening, uh, but I have never emailed before. Um, You talked about the uh, Christmas Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown Christmas, Mm, which mm -hmm. was initially hated by the, you know, by by the by the network and stuff because it was so weird. Yeah. And then now we love it. And it says, I don't know if this is in your article, but um, for me, I think it's the biggest hated than love that I can think of is Duck Soup. Um, really? It tanked at the box office. It got terrible reviews, and the Marx Brothers contract was canceled. Zeppo even quit the act, and it took him two years to get another contract. Now, of course, it's considered their greatest work. Uh, and I would not only agree, but I'd say it's one of the two best films I've ever seen, tied with North by Northwest. So Goodness. duck soup. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was that's a lot of backlash. <laughs> yeah, I mean they. Like, yeah, and and you know I don't know if it's in if, if it's in the article or not. I've been kind of you know I didn't I didn't go through the whole article. I wanted to read you know read it kind of while we were talking about it on uh, you know on the podcast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that you probably know that um, it's a wonderful life was a bomb. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful life was hated. When it first, Goodness. yeah, I mean, it got terrible reviews. It was hated, and I mean, if you look at it, Esmeralda, it's a dark movie. I mean, it's a really dark movie for most of its running time. It's kind of depressing and it's dark, and it's about a guy who's going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And when it first came out, it tanked. Like people hated it, and it didn't become popular until the movie was in public domain. And then when it became public domain. Every channel and syndicated and UHF channel in the world started showing it all the time because nobody had to pay the rights. Mm -hmm. So because it was in public domain, it was on every channel every year. And that's when people started to like it. But when it first came out, it tanked. I wonder, I would be curious to find out what people didn't like about it aside from it. Or maybe, yeah, it's just being dark, but then what changed? In yeah. terms of like people's opinions, like I, why? Well, I think what happened was, and, and I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't around when the movie first came out. But what I've read is that it was so dark and depressing that nobody went to see it, and nobody, you know, and it was never on television. Like people were, but it, it has like, such a like uplifting at the end. Oh, the last. I mean, <laughs> did I cry, people did I, people watch it and they were just like halfway? They're like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really sure. All I know is that it got bad reviews. Like critics were really harsh on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I mean, I remember Jimmy Stewart talking about it on talk shows and on Johnny Carson saying, yeah, I mean, people hated the movie when it came out. Um, and I know, yeah, I mean, in the last 10 minutes of that movie is beautiful. I cry every time I watch that goddamn thing. And, um, <laughs> you know, the last five minutes is beautiful. Um, you know, the, you know, the luckiest man in town, my brother, mm-hmm. my, my brother, George, luckiest teen. I mean, come on, it's beautiful, but it tanked and I guess was just hidden away. Like people like even Frank Capra, who was, you know, one of the most popular directors and feel good directors of all time. Frank Capra caught a lot of heat for it. And even he was like, okay, let's hide this movie. So it wasn't until people people actually saw it because only a small portion of people saw it because it it was a bomb. But then Mm -hmm. once it went into public domain and like it was on every channel all the time, because you know, the company, you know, the, the channels didn't have to pay for it. That's when people started to watch it and go, hey, this movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is actually good. Now, can you imagine wow. Can you imagine not liking Duck Soup? And you and I saw Duck Soup together even before we met. Yeah. Yes, we were we in, the, in Grant Park. 
where we broke the the world record for wearing Groucho glasses. Most people yeah. in one place wearing Groucho glasses. Can I you imagine how could I would people... hope that that still stands, but I hope so. I don't think anybody's <laughs> broken that record. But yeah, you and I are part we we are part of the same uh Guinness World Record at Grant Park. But I can't. The... Yeah, I but to me I'm more amazed of like just how bad that people didn't like it. That I, it, like well, ruined people's careers. Yeah, like they couldn't get a contract. Like Marx Goodness. Brothers couldn't get a contract. Zeppo quit the act. I mean, good lord. And I mean, I'm, Duck Soup is one of the funniest, greatest movies of all time. I mean, I mean, it's genius. And and that's where I'm like, I wonder, like, what? Where did it switch? Who was the one to just be like, no, 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 this is actually good. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure what the story is. And that's another weird one too, Esmeralda, a holiday one. Because, like, It's a Wonderful Life went to public domain and it became a Christmas staple. Mm -hmm. Duck Soup became a New Year's Eve staple because Marx Brothers, when I was a kid, you watched Marx Brothers movies all night on New Year's Eve. That was that was on Channel 9 every year. Every year, Channel Mm -hmm. 9 would show like all the Marx Brothers movies in a row from like 10 p.m. through New Year's all the way until the morning. Oh, wow. And so for me, Duck Soup represents watching those movies on New Year's Eve. And, you know, obviously it's a wonderful life you watch on Christmas. So two movies that people hated that have become holiday institutions. So, Did you ever watch the, the Marx Brothers when you were a kid on TV? Uh, no, I don't think so. So no pizza, no Marx Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh man! All right. Anything else on this uh, on this article here that stands out for you? That things that were hated but now loved. Besides, uh, well, one yeah. for you, which is um, when they're talking about the thing. Yeah. That yeah. that didn't get, uh, you know, no. high marks as Not well. At, Not at all. It bombed. Critics and audiences yeah. were quick to pan it. So I, I find that funny. Like, yep. not even, it's a one-sided thing. Because usually it'll be a one-sided, like, somebody doesn't like it. Critics, no. and then, but the audiences are like, no, this is great. I've talked about but it yeah. before. It, it bombed at the box office, and it bombed by, the critics didn't like it. And now, you know, last year was the 40th anniversary, and now everybody loves it. Um, right. It, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, like, how those things happen, where... Well, I was there. <laughs> so what I, do you think changed? I, like, here's, why... here's what happened. Here's, here's exactly why the thing bombed when it bombed. And here's why I bombed. I'm not sure why critics would slam it. Uh, that mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me because the fucking movie's brilliant. And the only critic well, that really... Well, according Roger Ebert, they have a little it. thing that says that, yeah, he just yeah. thought it was a gross-out movie. No, he hated it. And and uh, <laughs> I, I remember when it came out, the critics were not kind to it. I think Dave Kerr and the reader was the only one who was kind to it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but outside of that, everybody hated it. But I, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly why that movie tanked. Fucking E.T. Oh. And nobody wanted... See, but like... But I could understand it not doing well. Yeah. But to the point where everyone's just like, no. No, I mean, everybody wanted... The the two biggest movies of that summer were goddamn E.T. And nobody wanted an alien that was killing people and shape-shifting and Mm. gory. They all wanted aliens that were going to fly on a fucking bike with you. You know what I mean? They were all... (laughs) You know... They, you know, they wanted they wanted happy little weird looking leathery little aliens. That's what they wanted. 
uh, and the other big movie that summer that was like it was Officer and a Gentleman, which was like this mm. uplifting, you know, love lift us up. Where yeah. were you know, so romantic? It was like, yeah, it was all happy summer, and so the thing bombed, and Blade Runner bombed. And which are both now considered two of the greatest movies, just not just science fiction and horror, but two of the greatest movies of all time. And they both completely tanked that summer because everybody was like, we want E.T. Fuck off, E.T. <laughs> so no, but so that means that people did like it. Probably. Right. They just hadn't seen it. Uh, so then well, that's why look, there's a research or there was like a point where people are like, no, well, this is the, actually good. I now, you know what I mean? When it came out for, or whatever for the thing and, and for, uh, well, the thing, well, yeah, Blade Runner was a long time running. It took a long time for people to catch on to Blade Runner, but mm-hmm. the thing caught on because of home video, like a lot of movies in the eighties. Cause when it came out on home video, people were like, wait a minute, this is fucking great. You know what I mean? Like it became like. Because every every horror movie in the eighties was popular. Because in the eighties, um, I mean, because you were really young at the time when the video nasties became very popular. Movies like Faces of Death, and there were all these, you know, like your mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street movies. They did okay at the box office, but when they, when when horror movies came out on video on VHS, you couldn't keep them on the shelf. People would rent anything. If the box looked cool, you would rent it. And so the yeah. thing, luckily, when it came out on VHS. At the end of 1982, uh, that was right when the VHS boom really started to take off. And The Thing was one of the most rented movies. So that's how it, you know, it became a video rental favorite. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, now, you know, 40 years later, people, oh, it's brilliant. It's like, where the fuck were you when it... It almost ended. It almost ended Carpenter's career. Where where were you? Yeah, I mean you know? that's crazy. And then imagine if it did, and then people, uh, then do this where they they do see it, and then they're like, oh no, but yeah. it was good. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Sorry, did John Carpenter. Career? Yeah. Well, I mean that's the that's the case with a lot of Carpenter movies. Um, that I've I've talked about this before. Like Big Trouble in Little China bombed, uh, and you know, and almost ended his career again. Um, and yeah. then he went back to independent filmmaking after that because he had such a horrible, you know, experience making that movie. And now people love Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> they love it, you know. Uh, so it's happened with a lot of Carpenter movies. Uh, Prince of Darkness was another one, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's just weird when 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 those things happen. Um, yeah. But like it, poor it, I don't Zeppo. Is it poor? Yeah, <laughs> poor Zeppo. Completely out of a gig. Yeah. Completely exactly. left. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, all right, how about d- does anybody remember um, when how how much everybody hated Bart Simpson when the Simpsons uh, first started? No, I oh, only yeah. know the era of when they were beloved and and they had songs. And nobody, well, when they first you know, started, his Butterfinger. <laughs> when they first no, when they first started, uh, even George Bush when he was president, made a statement about how bad Park oh, Simpson Lord. was. Um, and, here's what, and this is true. In the early years of The Simpsons, the show was not appreciated by parents, groups, and conservative people because Bart was a rebellious kid who could get away with anything and, like, don't have a cow man and eat my shorts. They were all, like, kids were wearing Bart Simpson T-shirts and teachers were telling them to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1992, President Bush uh, expressed contempt for the show at the Republican National Convention when he said, we're going to keep trying to strengthen American families to make them more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. I mean, 
I could kind of see that because, I mean, the Simpsons are not perfect people. <laughs> no, but that's the I point. I mean, Homer is an alcoholic. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, but that's the point of the show, you know, like, at, 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 you know, I mean, that's that's the point. It's a satire of American family. Yeah. And um, and boy, I'll tell you, when it first when it first came on in 89, you know, when it first came on, because it was they were just shorts on Tracy Ullman's show. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go back and look at them, they look completely different, like the the characters. Oh, yeah. Are completely different. Um, but when they first started the focus was on Bart and he became like the focal point and it was all about like eat my shorts and don't have a cow and all that shit and he was a rebellious kid on the skateboard doing terrible things and then that's what you know these parents groups latched on to and then as the show developed more it became not only about the family but about Springfield Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 then it became like this widely regarded great satiric piece of television, which between like ninety one and ninety seven, there wasn't a better show on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it first started, they focused like Fox, and Fox was that new station. You know, they were the new network. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. were the controversial network because all they had was uh, America's Most Wanted and fucking uh, Married with Children. So they were the <laughs> bastard. They were the bastard network that did you know, uh, lowbrow TV. And so when the Simpsons first came on, they were lumped into the, into that world of America's most wanted and married with children as crass and, and lowbrow. Yeah. So that's actually, why it, uh, um, I forget what channel it was on, but there was a whole thing about the Simpsons and how they got started. And so it explains everything from being, from getting like how they got chosen yeah. to be on um, Tracy Ullman on the Tracy Ullman show and all that yeah. and there was like another yeah. cartoon and there, and yeah so yep. they they did the whole thing which was there's a, uh, fun there's, to watch I, if, if I'm not you can find it on YouTube yeah I, if I'm not mistaken that was a doc that was on um FX uh because FX now FXX because mm-hmm. they're Fox they rerun the Simpsons all the time and they do marathons all the time and I think when the Simpsons hit an, a certain anniversary they did like a nonstop where they showed every episode of The Simpsons back to back to back to back to every single episode of all like how many, whatever, 20, 20, 30 years of the 30s, 30 something years of The Simpsons. And and leading up to that, they did, I think this documentary that you're talking about was like a four part documentary about the yeah, entire yeah, history yeah, yeah. and origin of The Simpsons. And it's great. It's great. One of the other things I love about The Simpsons is that it's incredibly pro left handed because... Uh, Matt Groening's Matt Groening <laughs> yeah. Matt Groening Matt Groening's a lefty. Matt Groening's a lefty. John Schwartzwelder. A lot of the the original writers and producers are left-handed, and obviously a lot of the characters on The Simpsons. I mean, most obviously Flanders, uh, you know, who owns the Leftorium, uh, yeah. are lefties. And it's it's always something that I know. At being a lefty, it's always something that I notice. You know, mm-hmm. um, and they make a they make a big deal. I mean, obviously Flanders is like one of the most popular characters in the history of the world to be lefty <laughs> to be lefty. Yeah. For uh, sure. That's, an, that's another thing that I like about The Simpsons is that Groening is very proudly left-handed. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. So, but yeah, no, it was. It, it. I mean, even it went it all the way. Esmeralda went all the way up to the president. Even the president made a statement about Bart Simpson. That's how bad Goodness. it was. Goodness, is that crazy? <laughs> is that nuts? Yeah. No. Uh, anything else uh, here in, in this article? Um, I like the the Michael. I didn't know Michael Keaton was not. Uh, 
Oh, Batman. Receptive. The reception of his of him being Batman was. Yeah, read, I didn't know it was not read good. That, read that one because it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting story. Yeah. So when he was cast as Batman, uh, fans sent over fifty thousand complaint letters to Warner Brothers Studios. Yeah. That's wow. Uh, they were yep. saying that Keaton was a comedian and he wasn't physically intimidating enough. Yep. Uh, when the movie was released, it became a critical and commercial success. And, of mm-hmm. course, it's spawned a sequel and uh, helped kick off all the superhero movies that we see today. Well, and, and on top of that, Esmeralda, it's good timing that we're talking about this because, uh, you know, during the Super Bowl, that Flash uh, commercial, the commercial for the new Flash movie, debuted. Mm-hmm. And who? what was the highlight of that? Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. That was the highlight of the whole. Every that's all everybody was talking about. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that one shot of Michael Keaton comes back and he goes, "I'm Batman," and I'm like, "That was my my favorite part." Like I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but I did watch some of the commercials. And when Michael Keaton came back and went, "I'm Batman," I went, oh, 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 he. I got all I got all goofy." Uh, yeah, I I mean I could see it. I mean I knew him. You know, I saw this after the fact, essentially. So I didn't yeah, know that, yeah. like, what? Michael Keaton doesn't. <laughs> he well, can't the, be Batman. Well, like, that was, that was the, the, you know, why? Because, like, it was, you know, obviously this, Batman's a big thing. It was a big deal. And it wasn't going to be a jokey Batman like Adam West. And there's nothing wrong with the Adam West Batman. It fucking rules, in fact. But they were like, we're going we're to take it seriously. We're going to take the comic book seriously. And we're going to play it not for laughs, not like the TV series. Mm-hmm. But the thing was that, you know, Tim Burton was going to be the director and everybody they were people were like, oh, because he had done Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And, uh, and and then they announced that Michael Keaton's going to be Batman and they just did Beetlejuice together. So everybody was like, fuck that. And people were like, oh, my God, <laughs> the guy who made Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice is directing and the guy who played Beetlejuice yeah. is going to play Batman. So that was the feel beforehand, you know. And then when the movie came out and everybody went, oh, he's good. <laughs> oh, It's always interesting. People just immediately put these opinions. I mean, that's like everything in life. Well, but then once they once they see it and they're like, oh, oh, yeah. And sorry. And, you know, it's funny as well. If you if you scroll back or up. Um, the, the one before that is about Tom Cruise in interview, um, interview the vampire. And mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. one of the I was one of those people that was like, no fucking way Tom Cruise could play. And you know how much I love Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, and but I am a huge fan of those books, of the Anne Rice books. I fucking love those books. And and I had been waiting for them to make a movie out of it. And and you know, and I, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be great. And Neil Jordan was directing it, who is one of my favorite directors, and I was very excited about it. And then they said, Yeah, Tom Cruise is gonna play Lestat, and I went, Fuck you. I was, I was like, no way. Um, who did you? Who did you well, think for me should play him at a specific time? And I think he he and, and he could have even pulled it off. He might have been a little too old. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I read that book, it was Rutger Hauer. In my mind, it was Rutger Hauer. Like I was like, okay. man, fucking Rutger Hauer is Lestat. Wasn't and he? Why am what? I thinking? Was he in a vampire movie? Yeah. He, well, he was in. He was, was in, he in? He, he was in Dracula, which Dario Argento made. He played Van Helsing in uh, in Dracula. Uh, he was also in Buffy the Vampire. He's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. Oh, okay. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. He's in <laughs> Buffy like, the Vampire Slayer. why do I? <laughs> yeah. No, he's in Buffy. Um, but yeah, so I would have gone with him. But mm-hmm. yeah, when the movie was made, because the movie wasn't made until 94, 
ish. Yeah, something like that. And he might have been a little too old, but but like Blade Runner era Rutger. Oh man, that's what's that. <laughs> but then you know, I was like, fucking, I I can't believe. I was so pissed as a fan of the books. And then even Anne mm. Rice was like, no. Then she saw a screening of the movie like ahead of time, and she took out a full page ad in Variety. Oh wow! And was like. Everybody calm down because he's great. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> there was, seriously, there was an incredible amount, like Batman with Michael Keaton there, and I was part of that bunch. I was a part of the, 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 yeah. the, the vocal bunch saying, no fucking way this guy should play Lestat. And then Anne Rice saw the movie and said, everybody calm down, he's great. And then I was still like leery about it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the movie and he's phenomenal. Everybody in that I think I think Tom Cruise kind of gets that. Like... Unless he's running and blowing things up and shooting people, like yeah, nah, it's not gonna be good. But that's the thing about he's he's so good. He's the you know like he's terrific. And I should have thought a little bit more open mindedly because I love Tom Cruise and 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 I did even back then thirty when the movie came out like almost thirty years ago, you know. Um, but I was a huge fan because of Risky Business and because of so many other movies. I think he's and, and this is you know. A controversial statement, not like I've never made these before. <laughs> but I think Tom Cruise is the best part of Rain Man. I think Tom Cruise is better than Dustin Hoffman. I think the performance of Tom Cruise is much more interesting. It's much harder. He's got the arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's great in Rain Man. And and like is the reason why Dustin Hoffman is considered so great in that movie is is the half of that reason. I think more than half of that reason is because of Tom Cruise. But I don't know, just for some reason. Him being in as Lestat, I was like, no. And then, then he's, but he's great in the movie. He's great. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Have you, have they ever made a movie, you know, uh, where you were like, oh, I don't know if I want to see like that person. Like from a movie. book? Yeah. Oh, ever- that I've seen. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of the same. Like, if you see somebody in a bunch of, uh, like, the the Michael Keaton thing when you see somebody doing a bunch of things like yeah. comedy or whatever and they're sticking yeah. to that and then you they're like oh then now they're gonna be like in a serious drama I'm like no yeah <laughs> well he had done the weird thing was that when the first time that happened with Michael Keaton I think it was because you know Batman is such an iconic character mm-hmm. but he did a film called Clean and Sober have you ever seen Clean and Sober no I haven't Clean and Sober terrific movie. Uh, where he plays a drug addict and alcoholic who has to go to rehab uh, and goes in, you know, goes to clean himself up. And Morgan Freeman is in it. And it was an early, you know, like when Morgan Freeman first started to break in to movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember when Clean and Sober came out, everybody was like, holy shit, Michael Keaton's a, like a real actor. Because it's not a comedy. And at that point, he had done nothing but comedies at that point. Like from night, because I mean, his first big movie was Night Shift with him and yeah. Henry Winkler. And then he had done nothing but wacky comedies, Mr. Mom and all these other wacky comedies. And then like Clean and Sober was the first time like and that's not a funny movie at all. It's a it's a very serious movie about, you know, addiction and getting clean. And he got great reviews in that. So when, um, you know, when Batman came out, people were very and this was like like Clean and Sober came out a year before Batman or like a year and a half before Batman. So it's not like he had, he he had, he did do a serious movie, but because it's Batman and everybody's so emotionally attached to it, that's why they were pissed. Mm. But if you go back and watch Clean and Sober, he's fucking great in that. He's really yeah. great. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anybody 
like that. I mean, I'm sure there is. Yeah. I mean, you know, people like um, Christopher Walken. You just don't expect him <laughs> to be in anything other than like scary dramas, like crazy stuff. He was like, always a scary, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then once he did all those comedies, you're like, oh, he's well, quite funny. <laughs> the other, you know, I mean, the thing about that is, I mean, you know who, you know what you can thank for that is as SNL. Um, yeah, I mean, because he's one of the one of the favorite hosts of all time on SNL. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And he's fucking hilarious and and can sing and dance and people didn't really know that about him. If unless you saw him on stage in New York or you saw him in in the the Steve Martin movie Pennies from Heaven. He's got a beautiful dance number in that. But before that, he's the serious actor or the weirdo. Mm-hmm. You know. Um yeah. but like when he started on on SNL, I mean, the guy's hosted 7 times and has killed every time and you know, has been in iconic Saturday Night Live. I mean, Cowbell for Christ's sake is one of the most iconic yeah, and my know, I I enjoy the um the, the gentleman. What was it? Yeah, the continental. continental. Yeah, yeah, that uh, one's always would, great. Would you, would you like some some champagne? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, all right. Well, listen, we let's. I think my dad's going to come in and uh, tell a joke. Very but good. First, let's let's taste test some Kit Kats. Oh yeah, doing some Kit Kats. Which one are we going to taste test first here? Um, let's do this. Uh. This adult sweetness. The adult sweetness. The um, the the dark one, the black. Okay. The black. Uh, the black adult sweetness, yes. which on the uh, which on the label says, "Once in a while, you can count on me." Oh. I don't know what that means. It's very what uplifting. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You don't know you what that count- means. I don't know what like a candy bar. I'm going to count on a Kit Kat. What you going to pick me yeah, up? Yeah, like work? because what? it's always going to be. Oh, it's consistent. It's a Kit Kat. It's a yeah. It's a consistent All thing. Right. It's delicious. When right. you're feeling down, okay. have a Kit Kat. Mine right. says mine has a little thumbs up and it says the customer is happy because <laughs> I'm eating a Kit Kat. Mm. Well, oh. so what is it? Does it just taste oh. like a Kit Kat? I mean, it's it's a little less it's sweeter because it's it's a dark adult sweetness. Yeah. Well, it's a dark chocolate <laughs> Kit Kat. Because you know, dark chocolate obviously is not as sweet mm-hmm. as milk chocolate, so it's it's a dark chocolate. Oh yeah, well, but it's nice. It's very good. I'm not a big fan of dark chocolate usually. This one's nice. Now, the doesn't one, have the it like that. One. Sometimes there's like a bitterness. And this yeah. does not have it. Oh, I'm a fan of the dark good chocolate. Good job. Oh. Good job. Uh, well, you can cat. always count on him. Yeah. See. Well, all right. <laughs> now this one I've got. Now you don't have this one, but mine is chocolate orange. Okay, I will do. I have a strawberry milk. Strawberry milk. Okay, I'll do Which the chocolate orange. Delicious. You do the strawberry milk. Here we go. Oh, how is it? Very strong orange uh, flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, is it like uh, what are those things you got in Christmas? You smack them and then they break, and they're like in the shape of an orange. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's, I don't, I'm not. I'm, I find this very unpleasant. <laughs> you don't like orange and chocolate. Well, this is like that. You know, I like orange, but this is like really. It's more artificial than actual orange. Mm. You know what I mean? Oof. Um, this is okay. And what um, is the strawberry, the strawberry milk. Um, strawberry milk. Okay. The strawberry is nice. 
-hmm. It does have that little bit of an artificially taste. Mm -hmm. But it's like nice because of the milk bit too. So it's like a creamy strawberry. Mm -hmm. okay. It's nice though. And okay. it's white chocolate. Uh, white chocolate. Inside okay. or whatever. All right, cool. That's a nice. It's not uh, bad. Oh, that's a nice uh, palate cleanser after the dark chocolate. You got the. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, All that's right. not bad. All right, cool. Uh-oh. I don't mind. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show. Okay. All right. Mm. Here comes. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. Here. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! All right. My dad's here to tell a joke. You ready, Ezreal? Nice. Mm-hmm. Here we go. All right, Dad. Why does Han, Han Solo like gum? Because it's chewy. What? <laughs> wait, wait, what? Why does Han Solo like gum? Because it's chewy. Because it's chewy. Oh, I get it. Right. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. <laughs> That's, I like that one because you can tell it yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. easy to remember. It's easy to remember. And it's also timely because Marnie uh, Schur and I just talked about uh, Star Wars. Uh, and, and the there next you go. Oh, boy. See you that? See your the dad? Next, the, next <laughs> the next Mortified event, uh, May 4th at the Music Box, is Star Wars related. Mm -hmm. So it's all the, all the embarrassing nice. things you did as a kid involving Star Wars. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Dad. Uh, thank you, uh, Carrie Russell. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Ed, and everybody at uh, Radio Misfits, Jason Skaggs, for the music. Be a sponsor on this podcast, why don't you? Advertise with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Leave your voicemail message 24-7-773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nicktpodcast at gmail.com, with any of your thoughts or your megaphone message that you want to be uh, to, uh, to do. Uh, as well, we will catch you next time. Uh, mm -hmm. when the lovely Monica Eng is going to be my guest from uh, Axios.com. Nice. She's got a new book out that's oh. called Made in Chicago, Stories Behind 30 Great Hometown Bites. We'll talk about her new book. With She wrote it with David Hammond. So uh, we'll talk about that and more on the next episode. All right, Esmeralda, see you next time. Bye. All right, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>